That's my face. Hello, this is Untethered Layers. My name is Dawood Natarath. And this is Rachel Tyler. And we have a very special guest in the studio this week. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Diane. I'm Rachel's twin sister. Twin sister. You can probably tell based on the fact that their voices sound exactly alike, that they are identical twins. Um, you might know Diane from the hit John Cougar Mellencamp song, Jack Stop. and Diane. <laughs> but she's been famous for having her name mentioned twice, I think, in, the, in this uh, in Untethered Layers so far. So we wanted to have her on to discuss uh, one of, would you say, your personal favorite albums? Um, yes. I mean, Alopecia, like everybody else apparently, is my favorite album. But Mumps is my second favorite Y album for sure. So I really wanted to put in my two cents. There you go. And we're glad to have you. Thank you very much. Um, so I will start up, I guess, like I, with some of the some of the context of the album. Um, all right, and I, I'm going to pull a quick cop out real quick. I landed like back in Texas about like four hours ago, something like that. Um, and I had basically no time to be doing any research for this album other than like the six years that I've been listening to it. But um, yeah, I'm, I might take a more of a backseat on this episode and let the let the sisters discuss what they need to discuss. But I will still be here uh, to give you all of your very specific Y facts, like the fact that this came out in October 9th, 2012. Rachel had to correct me earlier because I thought it came out in September. It's, uh, But it's one of the longer um, albums that we've talked about so far. We said, I think, Alpecia was about 40 minutes, right? 45. 45, yeah, yeah. This one is right up uh, on 38 minutes and 48 seconds. Um, wow. So it's definitely longer than... <laughs> <laughs> it's longer than, I think, uh, Eskimo Snow was. And Oh, yeah, definitely. And... Um, Mokhlin is the shortest of all them we realized today, um, which I which I hadn't uh, noticed before. But it came out in 2012 to very polarizing reviews. Uh, I, I mentioned a little bit last week about how uh, Eskimo Snow is kind of uh, not forgotten, but kind of the companion piece to Alopecia rather than its own album. Uh, but it still garnered generally favorable reviews. So did Mumps, but there were some very intensely not favorable reviews uh i won't go into like what they you know who it was it was pitchfork but um uh yeah yeah this one for whatever reason this album was pretty polarizing whenever it came out just because i think the sound was so different they went such a like they went so far one way that it was bound to make people uncomfortable or like make people not like it yeah i mean it was such a specific um direction that you well yeah, it was such a specific direction that if if it wasn't a style that you were really into, then of course it was going to be mm-hmm. annoying or not what you were expecting. Um, so yeah, I think that some polarizing reviews is to be expected a little bit with yeah. an album like this. Yeah, and I think they did like they they decided that we're you know we're going to go a little bit weirder on this album. We're going to but and it, to me it just sounds like they went in. They're like we're going to have some fun with this recording session. Like we're going to try to make it more fun this time. And they, at least that's how it comes across to me because this album is like a lot more fun than the other albums to me. Um, the lines are really clever. The sounds, uh, the they have like weird noise, like sample, like we talked about the uh, glass breaking in, uh, what is it? Jonathan's Hope. Is the, that Jonathan's The Hope? first song? But we talked about also that one sound. Oh, that it right, like right, right. It's clattering on yes, the ground. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That's what I was referring um, to. When I got better from the mumps, yes, my swollen nut and neck shrunk, but... That is, as far as I know, mostly generated by Josiah and his love for, like, slamming weird things on a drum set. Well, that's... 
What, did, did you want to talk about? Oh, that Rachel pointed out to me at our last show that for Valve's part two, that he uses the chain. Yeah. On yeah, the, on the drums. I never noticed that. Mm-hmm. Rachel's like, oh, I saw when he pulled out that chain, they yeah. were going to do Valve's yeah, part two. Yeah, that's something I, I had forgotten to mention in our alopecia episode. How Another thing that makes that that first track so great is makes it so heavy is, is the like f- physical chains yeah. on the record but we're, we're not talking about alopecia <laughs> i mean we're gonna continue talking about <laughs> in every episode but uh yeah no it's they, they just took super like some weird noises or some weird shit and we're like we'll hit you know the drum set with it or we'll see what kind of fun we can have with this track um but yeah so to me at least it is one of the most fun albums um it i for a while i was kind of like i can kind of see why people don't like this album like i get it but now i I, I just don't understand where they're coming from. It doesn't make any sense. You know, this album is still one of my favorites uh, just throughout the discography, but just of all time. Um, but yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your your particular connection to this album, Diane? Sure. Yeah, well, you mentioned that it's your second favorite Why yeah, album. I mean, like you mentioned last week that we had the CD in our car of Alopecia and then most of the tracks from this album that we just had on rotation for basically a year and a half. So anyway, so I guess that there's like a lot of tracks on this one that I know just as good as alopecia, and I, they're like just as near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. as yeah. Well, there wasn't as much distinction between these two albums because we we had them found them around the same time. Yeah, we found them at, at right, the, yeah. pretty much the exact same time, and we listened to them back to back. Yeah. So there so wasn't. Y- y'all had a mix CD that had both songs from both yes. albums on there. Yes. Okay. Was yeah. it just those two albums? Yeah. On on that one, yes. Oh. But then we also had a, a couple other albums. Of um of wise okay. in the car. Cool. Yeah, I never did the mix CD thing. Um, I just did the Windows Media Player. But your school, Diane, is what I was what I was talking oh. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Just that they recorded a lot of the orchestral mm-hmm. parts with um, Denton, Texas, mm-hmm. at my college, yes. University of North Texas. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. I remember. I think we were just like we are. We were all on a Skype call one day, and I was just browsing like the, the description catalog of mumps or something and i saw that they you know enlisted the help of a professor at university of north texas and i was like i think you guys were in the middle of the conversation i was like um hold, hold on <laughs> like listen to this yeah, yeah um no that blew my mind whenever i figured it like i don't understand why out of everywhere he came down to denton i mean i guess unt is like a really prestigious music yeah and um, maybe he knew department yeah music yeah. department yeah um I don't know. It's just that's, that's a fun a fun fact that we have tied to our uh, tied to the Lone Star State. Well, and wasn't the album cover photographed at at UNT as well? See, you brought this up the other week. I had no idea there was like a really intense process into the making of this album cover. Do you guys? I remember that, that video. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing the video for it. I haven't seen it in a while, so like okay. Well, have a lot maybe to say, I don't want to say where that was taken, but I yeah. but I, but the, yeah. For anybody that doesn't know, the album cover is. Practical. A three-dimensional practical um, set that was created, and that's you know a real person being photographed on the cover. Is that you, Diane, on the cover? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I like I said, I haven't come prepared with tracks that I'm going to talk about. I was just gonna kind of wing it, um, like we do with the other ones. Um, that I'm well, happy to bounce back. I want to really quickly talk more about the album as a whole. Yeah. Uh, before we go mm-hmm. too deep into the tracks, I think I mean what you said about the album being fun is a good way of describing it. Even if what he's talking about isn't actually fun subject right. matter, just like it's everything. It's like kind of campy, mm-hmm. campy, you know, which yeah. can have that sort of negative, I guess, quality. To right? It, yeah. Well, it's it's really jokey mm-hmm. and and tongue in cheek, you know. 
And I can see how a lot of people, because alopecia was so raw and and uh, such an open wound, you know, I feel like this album may have come across as a little too maybe sarcastic yeah. or or um, some people maybe it was off-putting how... Not serious. He, he yeah, yeah, how not yeah. serious he was taking the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, Despite it being, you know, his own life. Yeah, yeah, how yeah how he was coping with whatever was going on in his life at the time. Right. Yeah, I think this is a very specific time in his life in general, and also in the recording process where you know, and and alopecia and Eskimo Snow that era. You know, he's very down on himself, um, very sad and depressed, obviously. But whenever Mumps comes around, at least with the sound and the and the way that he structures a lot of the songs, he seems like he's kind of on the upswing, but still being like kind of cynical about it, but not, like, super depressed about it, if that makes sense. Like, he's not to the point where he's at in Mokhlin where he's super accepting of it, and he's, like, kind of going to the flow. He's still kind of like, yeah, shit sucks, but, like, I'm, you know, going to try to be funny about it at least. Um, which is, I like, the, the mood and the tone of this entire album just makes me smile whenever I think about it. And whenever we see him, we, whenever we see him play these tracks live, he seems to have the most fun playing some of these tracks because they kind of have the most... I guess they're the most verbose out of all of the other tracks that he can play. You know, with alopecia, generally, it's like a pretty dark tone on the on the stage. He's there, like, playing his bass or playing his guitar. And everybody's singing along to all the alopecia, song, alopecia songs, obviously. But whenever he plays Mumps tracks live, um, he's a lot more animated in a lot yeah, of the yeah, like, hand gestures so. and stuff like that. And, you know, he kind of... Diane and I were talking uh, earlier about how he has very slight shifts in the way that he sings live uh, versus in studio. And I generally see that the most in Mumps tracks. Yeah. Do you guys, would you guys mm-hmm. say the same? I think that like Mumps, he kind of pushed, it's like if you look at where the songs sound like in Elephant Eyelash and then going into Alopecia, it's like it becomes more of like that wordplay and like mm-hmm. rapping kind of. And then I feel like with um, Mumps, he like wanted to push that as far as he could right yeah and so mm-hmm. he that's kind of i think where the fun and then but also i think maybe i don't know if he actually felt this way but sometimes i kind of feel maybe he like trapped himself in that like this is what i do because mm-hmm. he kind of references that a lot in the songs of like um being a poet or like having to do all this wordplay right but yeah i guess now that it's like he can't have fun with it and i have fun with it that's yeah. one of the reasons i love this album so much is because it's like so fun to get all the words right mm-hmm. basically and that's kind of why i listen to it so much because it's like i have to know all right, yeah. these words yeah and like all those tracks have such interesting flow to them that it's like always super satisfying both listening to them and singing along them the same way that i felt about fall of mr fitz uh yeah. yes yeah. It, that's what mm-hmm. i was going to say what diane just said mm-hmm. about wanting to get all the words it's, right. it's almost like when i uh first was getting into this album it, it really was more about me wanting to get all the words right yeah because the words didn't even really mean anything to mm-hmm. me. They were yeah. so um, confusing and weird. Yeah. They're kind of abstract. Very, oh, yeah. yeah, abstract. And and so it was kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to understand what this is talking about anyway, but I want to be able to sing along. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and have fun with it. Um, uh, something that I said last week, or that we've kind of been saying in the past couple episodes, is, is calling him the way that he sings kind of like mumble rapping. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to take that back, to that. retract that, yeah. because... I think that mumble rapping is a very specific type of rapping uh, that he, he he raps kind of monotone, mm-hmm. but... Um, mumble rap is its own very mumble distinct rap is, genre. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that 
Yoni enunciates so clearly yeah. when he's rapping. Right, yeah, it's yeah. really fun to because he's almost exaggerating mm-hmm. the enunciation as opposed to the um, subduing yeah. it. You know, which is what mumble rapping. Yeah, is. Yeah, and in a lot of mumble rapping, you know, there's kind of just like off the wall, whether like just random strings of thought or uh, ad libs, which obviously he right, doesn't, he doesn't right. do. Um, those are two pretty uh, distinct features of mumble rap. I would say that he. It, I don't want to say it would be a disservice to attribute uh, mumble rap to him, but it's not what he does. He, he does it. He does it a lot more cleanly. He does it like obviously he puts a lot of thought into the words that he says. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of clarify that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I guess going what y'all were just talking about it being kind of like the opposite of mumble rap, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like a lot of things that I've read about why people attribute it to being stream of consciousness, right? Yeah. Which I think. You could say it can be in that it is very like what we said about Al- or what y'all said about alopecia being like a diary entry mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's also like so specific, like right. the words that he's saying. It feels very like um, what's the word like a uh, curated. Yes, curated <laughs> of like you know each little word has its own little place. I guess yeah. you know it's like right. Yeah, like you know I what said, I mean? it's obvious that he put a lot of time into yeah. how the songs played out and their structure. It's not an accident how they fall together right yeah, yeah and i i like what you said earlier about it being like him taking the sort of character that he had built around himself and pushing it to the max on this yeah. record i think that's like we said earlier part of the reason maybe it wasn't uh why it might have not fallen, done so yeah, well because on, on people you know, were like this isn't why i like why yeah this, or, or this is like too much one way rather than yeah. just like playing it safe um which yeah. i think alopecia you know was a huge departure but i think they did that really really well yeah um and objectively it was a better balance right yeah and whenever you do something like that whenever you make such a huge change from either elephant eyelash to uh alopecia or eskimo snow to mumps like it's you it's a hit or a miss on whether or not it's going to succeed and alopecia was the hit and mumps is the miss i would say um at least you know speaking from like critically or yeah better. yeah uh, from the critical standpoint like i said this is still i mean I'll, i do alopecia is higher up on my list uh, than mumps is but mumps still kills it for me every single time yeah but do you guys want to start talking about tracks? <laughs> I, I'm desperate to get in these. Tracks. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, that's okay. Really, let's really go, fun. let's go. Because uh, just because I think there's so much to talk about in all of them. Because like I said, these these tracks are really round. They're very like the, the same way that we um, talked about Eskimo Snow being more open and like more, or Elephant Eyelash being more robust than you know Oakland. Um, this this I feel the same way about this album in that like the production is like cleaner. Um, than alopecia, I would say. Really? It's, yeah, well, yeah, or it's, it's like more, I guess, I would say particular, meticulous maybe, mm-hmm. um, than alopecia. Not to say that it was like sloppy or anything like that, but this is, I guess, I would say uh, produced to like a... There's a lot of attention to detail. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's almost like a like a painting, like a piece of art or something that they obviously put they wanted it to like shine at least in the in the way that it sounds, um, rather than Eskimo Snow almost sounds like it was like recorded as a live session. I yeah. would say, yeah. Um, and yeah. then this is very heavily produced, uh, which I think goes into making it maybe more accessible in a almost pop way. Obviously, it's not pop music, but that might be why I like some of the songs so much is because they're so polished and so mm-hmm. clean and so like fun to sing along to. <laughs> we'll start with Rachel. Oh, dear. What, what track did you want to do? Well, I kind of wanted to talk about strawberries a little bit i think that's a favorite amongst fans for sure i know that we mentioned some fans you know weren't as into this album Mm -hmm. 
But I feel like there's a lot of songs there on like, this album that are, are like plenty of bangers, hits. yeah. That yeah. people love. Mm-hmm. So Strawberries is definitely one of those. Uh, this is one of the ones that I feel like it, if a crowd gets the most amped whenever yes. Strawberries yeah. will be yeah, the same way with Good Friday. Um, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say or like the one of the first ones that people hear. Um, it's like The Hollows, mm-hmm. and then I think Strawberries is like one of the first ones really? that Strawberries I heard. Strawberries was one of the first ones mm-hmm. I heard. One of the first ones that really got me into it. I remember really listening to it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's a pretty, that's that song is a pretty safe bet on getting people into, yeah. into why it's, it's not just super like out there. It's just fun. fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we keep going back to the two words, fun and clever. The same way to Alopecia, we talked about it just being like dark, dark and personal. And, <laughs> yeah, dark and personal. Um, we just need to start attributing like two words to each of these albums and that'll be the whole podcast. We're going to have a 15 second long podcast. Um, but, yeah, strawberries is like you like you said. I think one of the most fun tracks. It's like yeah. the brightest. It's the happiest uh, well, sounding, at least uh, to me, on this record. Um, and it seems almost like a, not a departure, but it seems uh, misplaced or or out of place, at least in regards to the rest of the songs. Because a lot of the rest of the songs are like we were talking about before we started recording. He talks a lot about being sick. He talks a lot about like super explicit like you know shitting black blood at six or stuff like that but this one is just like a little bit more I w- it's it's not as focused on that it's more focused on just like a brighter energy um or that the, might, the that sound might just be the it. sound of it yeah. yeah well well yeah um i mean it opens up again great transition from the first song mm-hmm. into strawberries and it has that little maraca in mm-hmm. the background or whatever i don't even know <laughs> some instrument <laughs> in the background and uh it's such a sweet opening. Strawberries on your birthday, surely. The shit I said to hotel managers haunts me. Yeah, it's just such a short, fun song um, that I think is impossible to not be attracted to right, yeah, in yeah. some form or fashion. And I I really love the line I I really love the lines um, when he talks about uh, the shit I said to high school counselors mm-hmm. haunts me yeah. at the very end when he says that. The shit I said to high school counselors haunts me, and I am not okay, boys. I mean, who can't relate to that line? Yeah, right, you yeah. know, and that goes back to the one of the most distinct lines uh, throughout all of their albums to me from uh, Into the Shadows of My Own Embrace where he says I know saying all this in public should make me feel funny like this sort of like confession this uh, how uncomfortable it is to talk to people about yourself um, he talks a lot about that in a lot of his albums uh, and I think this is sort of at least in in uh, Mumps versus Eskimo Snow whenever he talks about stuff like that this, is, this line talks about the same stuff but in a very different way where he says, like, he's more, I guess, regretful uh, in this uh, uh, line than he was in uh, Into the Shadows of My Embrace, where he says um, he, he seems more, like, free about it. Yeah. And I I, I want to go back to what you said earlier about, you know, I was saying that this song sounds brighter, and it definitely only is musically. Right, because uh, the, even, the chorus is, yeah, I'm not I'm okay. I'm not okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, like, over and over. Um but yeah, no, definitely one of the most fun tracks on the on the record, I would say. Well, it's the kind of song that sounds so happy that that you, even though he's literally saying, "I'm, I'm not, not okay, okay yeah, I'm yeah. not okay," you know, like My Comic Romance or something. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. it, but it it 
it goes over your head, you know, or at least over my head. Um, like Heya by Outcast. That's the one I always think that about. That is exactly what <laughs> is that, I was thinking about. Gonna say? I wasn't going to bring it up, but yes, exactly like Heya. Yeah. Because it's so infectious and, and you don't realize it. And even when you hear it, you kind of don't want to think about exactly, like, oh, yeah. this might not be it's, that great. Yeah, exactly. um, but yeah, I mean, I always love Strawberries and I always love when they play it live. Mm-hmm. It's just such a fun song. Yeah, for sure. We <laughs> we smiled and laughed a little bit because Rachel and I saw Y in Austin together and they played Strawberries. And then Diane and I saw Y in Dallas and they did not play they Strawberries. They did not play Strawberries. So um, Yoni, I know that you're listening. Diane is very upset. Oh no! <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> but yeah, do, do you want to go with one of your tracks? Now, um, Diane? yeah, I'll go ahead and talk about one of my favorite tracks on this record is "Waterlines," mm-hmm. which they did play they at did. the last concert. Yeah. I was very excited. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect them to play it. Um, it's one where I definitely first liked it because the wordplay is so fun. Mm-hmm. You know, to like sit and like, oh, I'm gonna get every yeah, single exactly, one of these yeah. words. Um, but then. I guess one of the obviously there's like the themes of like um, illness or like loneliness, you know, that he's kind of talking about a lot on this record. Um, but I think one thing that I was kind of like reevaluating the lyrics the other day mm-hmm. and um, something that he kind of touches on is like fame. Yeah. Um, and how and Rachel and I are really interested in that right now, basically about how fame can kind of change a person. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was kind of interesting looking back at these lyrics uh, when he talks about, um, well, really, like, at the end where he says, you know, I'd rather be unknown and have, mm-hmm. like, a stable life and have my kid running to greet me than be on tour all the time. Right, and it's, yeah. like, so, like, taking an emotional toll on this, mm-hmm. on me. I'd prefer to be some unknown with a sports car than pen the dumb pun poems as a poor star. You wanna just come home through the courtyard. Your son run to greet you with the perfect report card. Um, so that's really, it's always sad because you always look up to these people, you right. know, or it's like, oh, I love that they make music for me or, you know, just me. Um, <laughs> and, but then it's like, oh man, like it's so hard, you yeah, know, like it's like, it's a job and it's you like love rough. Them so much for doing this thing that is really a huge emotional toll. On yeah. Them. Yeah. It's a person. And physical, mm-hmm. you know, it's like touring. I can't imagine how exhausting it touring is. Touring with like mumps or touring like after I mean, yeah. like, the Crohn's, like that's gotta be. I mean, Super when hard. we don't have to put this in, but when we saw tennis, um, a few months ago, she said, she said, I have the flu right now. She was on stage talking about it. Literally at, um, when I saw snail mail and then bellows back to back, uh, last week and both of them got sick. Like snail mail, uh, Lindsay had to cut her set short cause she was sick and Oliver and bellows was like, Hey, like <laughs> I did it. Like, apparently I just got like laryngitis out of nowhere. Oh my gosh. Um, so he, he, he finished the set, but he was like, if I can't hit the high notes, like that's why. And like, uh, whenever, whenever at the Snowball concert, whenever she was like, "Hey, I might have to cut the songs short," some people were like, "No, keep singing." I'm like, "This is a literal 18 year old girl that yeah. is like putting ill. this huge, yeah, yeah, she's ill, and she's like putting this huge like touring is taxing." Like she told us, she she talked about it on stage. She was like, "Whenever you get sick, like you you can't do anything about it. You're well, singing every single night. You don't like, have time to recover." Well, when you become you know an artist at a, a certain level. Um, yeah, people kind of dehumanize you in exactly, a way and yeah. just see you as this this product that they want to hear. Because yeah. they're like, I mean, oh, it, you become a product and a service of like you're here to, to right. serve me. me, the audience, and and people really forget that you know it's it's a person up there. Right. And, yeah, but yeah, kind of looking at 
these words i mean he kind of talks about that well, he kind of talks about fame a little bit and saw in the i was about to say well. yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. i never really noted like i obviously you know i would sing along to the lyrics but i didn't really realize that it's kind of a theme that like a sub theme uh maybe like a b-side theme that <laughs> kind of uh permeates throughout the whole record isn't mm. talking about like his relative fame um even in on the uh sandology ep on miss ohio's nameless you know he talks about um so the kids on the internet say that you're a big noise you made the message board top 10 um So the kids on the internet say that you're a big noise. You made the message board top ten, a thousand bucks to sing your verse and chorus until their alcohol's all gone. He talks about like relative, like his relative fame, what he, how he thought it would be versus what other people think it is versus how it actually is. Yeah. Because uh, on that track, whenever he says, you know, you made the message board top ten. Um, but then he goes on to say, like, you know, you're just, they pay you a thousand bucks to sing your verse and chorus until their alcohol's all gone. And he says, like, he says something about they don't give a shit about your melancholosity or something like mm, that. It's well, just like, yeah, they're, they're these people who are true. there. Yeah. And it's like. And they've been giving me a thousand bucks to sing my autobiography. But they're not giving a flying fuck about my melancholosity. Everybody's like, oh, it's so cool that you get to tour, especially, you know, back then when it was what? I think that came out in 2003, um, where he was still, you know, trying to break into the scene. Or he, he, had, he had relative underground fame, um, but everybody's like, oh, you know, you're getting to tour these shows. And he's like, these people don't care. Like, it's they're, they're giving me money to, you know, basically read out my diary to them and they're all they're doing is drinking you know it's uh yeah so that i guess that uh theme of fame kind of goes back a little bit more but is definitely a lot heavier on mumps i wanted to talk about um paper hearts because uh, mm-hmm. i talked about That's a good one yeah follow mr fitz being the most fun one to sing on uh alopecia this is i think the counterpart to that on mumps like it's if i can get every single one of these words right it's a good day you know um and it's just so it's like he it just like grabbed you and then sat you down and he's just like saying all this straight to your face you know it's very straightforward um even we were watching a live session of it uh earlier and it was just like completely acapella like it was just him talking to a mic while he's just like standing there um so definitely one of the most like monotonous like straightforward songs on the album but um it's just a lot. He's just speaking a lot to you. You know, there's no, there's no hook. <laughs> there's no catchy verse. Uh, there's no chorus or anything like that. It's just like I think a little bit more akin to stuff on Alopecia that was more focused on just stream of consciousness and thoughts that he had rather than trying to uh, beautify it in, in the way that Elf and I last or sometimes Eskimo Snow or Mucklin does. Yeah, and, and and in Paper Hearts, he just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's no, there's no, there's no break, point yeah. or break or or hook. Kind of like. I, I don't know if you're going to talk about bitter thoughts I will later, later yeah, but, yeah. but bitter thoughts is similar in in the verse format, but it has that break as the chorus or pre-chorus yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Whereas paper hearts, it's just he just keeps going, right, it keeps yeah, getting yeah. darker, and and you know I can't sing along with it because I need to breathe. Right, yeah. But he yeah. doesn't he's stop to breathe. Momentum the entire time. Momentum, yeah. 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 And I think uh, between that bitter thoughts and follow Mr. Fitz, like I said, those are my favorite ones to sing along to because it is like like a test of endurance basically on getting through this getting through singing this track but yeah like i said if i can get all these words right it's it's incredible one thing that i would want to say about this track Mm -hmm. is that like the very very end 
Um, obviously, the line preemptive nostalgia of the possible of the doubtful is, I think, another. Y'all were talking yeah. about those quintessential lines mm-hmm. or whatever from alopecia a couple of weeks ago. I think that's one of the lines that also can kind of right. people really relate to. But right after that, when he says, um, and always something reminds me of you. And always That part, uh, it makes me think of the very end of The Hollows, mm-hmm. where they have that little part at the end, you know, mm-hmm. that like the, if the you're speaking not, part. yeah, that speaking part at the end, if you're not really listening, you kind of miss it. And this, that little line kind of reminds right, yeah. me of that. Just that, like, like a little epilogue. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just uh, we we talked a lot about his wordplay. Uh, obviously, being very clever in this, but you said it was like a little bit more, um, like he took uh, an older, maybe sort of character or an older sort of attitude that he had and sort of pushed it. it I think it shines really uh, brightly on this on this track because it is very he's still talking a lot about his own personal situations but he's doing he's doing it in a very roundabout and clever way um it's very wordy this whole this whole track and a lot of the tracks on this record are are very very wordy he's not as clear and cut to the point as he was maybe on uh alopecia um yeah he's he's sort of going a roundabout way to express sort of the same sentiments um yeah and even in some of these tracks i i feel like he's not even necessarily speaking for himself like he seems to he seems to be donning some kind of character yeah um, exactly and i feel like that character or like this album the most ha- you you could define one sort of like caricature of yoni like it's uh yeah yeah or or even in um i don't know because because songs like danny or kevin's cancer it's like i don't really know what he's talking about i don't right, know if yeah. he's saying i yoni know someone mm-hmm. who is going through yeah. this or is this you know, I remember in, a, you know, like an English class or something, it, there would be a lot of confusion if we're reading a poem. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's the author speaking. It means it's the main character speaking mm-hmm. of the poem. And, and you shouldn't get those two confused. Right. I think Yoni does speak for himself quite a lot mm-hmm. in his work. But I think it's also important to not think that every single thing that he's saying yeah. is his experience. And he is really life. good about, you know, sort of crafting narratives that don't necessarily uh, directly relate to his life or aren't exactly personal experiences he's, he's had himself. He's he's good about, like, building worlds from, from the ground up, sort, yeah. of, sort of based on his own emotions As, as a way to um, get through something. Exactly, or, yeah, as a, like as a way to sort of yeah, get that out. But I know one of you wanted to talk about... Well, like kind of wanted to talk about white english but uh, i couldn't really think of anything to say other than i just love that let's song pull it up. let's see if we can get some good uh, sweet lyrics out of this i mean that's another one where it just like it starts and i just get like excited yeah, you yeah, know yeah. and I'm it starts like, with oh. such a like with such a, yeah. a, a crash yeah and i think this uh, this track shows the most i think when i was saying where he whenever he plays these songs live he's the most animated yeah i definitely like i can remember like how much he moved along to the song whenever he's singing and it like it gets everybody else moving too like i get hyped whenever i hear this live because i just whenever i whenever i sing along the songs in general i'm I'm an animated person you know i do a lot of hand movements or sort of like gestures or anything like that but it's the most 
the highest energy in the crowd is with fun songs like this because the instrumentation is really satisfying and then also he's up there like sort of well he's not behind the drums when he does this one he's right, like yeah. right there in front mm-hmm. of the audience so it's like almost more personal yeah no definitely I think uh, yeah he generally does that with Mumps songs a lot you know right. he'll sort of uh, that's he true yeah. yeah he doesn't have the um he's not on his uh like you said drum pad or he doesn't he's not he doesn't have his guitar like he does on alopecia tracks he's just sort of there like interacting directly with the audience actually i think i talked to you diane recently about um we're talking a lot about other bands uh than we than we have in past episodes but uh of montreal recently on on their last tour uh kevin talked about how he wasn't going to play any instruments um like he, he'll record the instruments but whenever they play it live he's not going to play any instru- instruments because he wants to put himself in the place of an audience member he wants to like be as like close to them as connected to them as he possibly can so he's doing exactly what they're doing he's standing with like no instruments or anything and he's just singing and dancing along to his own songs um i thought that was fucking beautiful like i I love that idea so much that he's sort of just like breaking down the barrier between like i'm up here holding a guitar you guys are watching me and he's sort of like come on and join me i think at least in why live shows that shines the the brightest on mom's tracks yeah, I think that's interesting because obviously an audience member's uh, reasons for dancing or um, reacting to a song is completely different to the reason that a musician is reacting to the same song that they created. Mm-hmm. Um, and both the audience member and the creator have probably heard the song hundreds of times. Right. Um, but yeah, in completely different contexts. So mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting experience. It's kind of bridging the gap between like uh, people taking these songs, relating them specifically to their own lives, and sort of like yeah, like just bringing them together in in this uh, in this live context. I yeah, I I love live Y shows. Like obviously we're biased because they're one of our favorite bands, but they know they really Yoni really knows how to put on like a he's got good banter with the crowd. You know mm-hmm. he really knows how to make people feel like that he's there for them just as much as they're there for him yeah especially recently yeah for sure i would say um i obviously you guys caught the golden tickets tour right yeah. i guess it, i don't know if it was technically i haven't looked it up if it, was, it was technically yeah. golden tickets it was the, the tour of... after the mumps tour okay yeah, yeah yeah. so if that's what it was then that's what was the it 2013 yeah it was september 2013 september 28th oh i remember wow yeah. okay. i remember it being 2013 because i remember it was also the year you guys saw vampire weekend and I had to miss both of those shows. Right, um, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so sort of compare. I think we've talked about this before, but compare his energy to that show versus these shows. It's, like, crazy. Yeah. Like, thinking about, like, how he acted back in 2013 and, like, it, it felt, like, heavier. He was doing a lot, almost maybe exclusively just singing into a mic in front of the mm-hmm. stage because it was a lot of mump songs of course since that album had just recently come out but um i remember like comparing that to even when we saw him at yoni and getty you right, know yeah. three years later or whatever he seemed like so much peppier mm-hmm. and happier and then for these last two y shows it's like he just seems like in a better place like he's having more fun yeah hopefully touring and um yeah yeah, because I remember I had, you know, watched the live videos y'all took of that tour back in 2013. And, yeah, when, like, because the first time I ever saw Yoni was whenever he played as Yoni and Getty. Um, through He came through uh, Austin and Dallas and I caught those shows. Um, and I remember being surprised at how much fun he seemed to be having because I had seen in the videos that you guys had taken. Not that he didn't seem to be enjoying himself, but he was definitely, like, I, I think, I feel like We'd heard that he yeah. was sick yeah. for that part of the tour. Yeah. So maybe And even, like, was... um, I, I would say just the sort of... Uh, mood that that followed you know around that time around 2012 2013 era yoni um 
obviously with a lot of the dark subject matter on mumps like it makes sense that he wasn't as you know super happy or super peppy yeah um, versus mm-hmm. the mahalim tour that we got um both of them not only is it is the actual like stage so much brighter because they have all those lights and like Mohlin is like really open and very pretty, but yeah, just the the stage presence there is just so much warmer, so much more friendly, um, and I love it so much. Yeah, I don't want to talk like go on too much about how much I love seeing Y in concert, but we are gonna get we are going to again uh, the same way Noah and Gavin are for this uh, alopecia yeah in November right yep. mm-hmm. I th- yeah 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 um, so I will be at both of those texture shows again, um, and I know I'll see y'all there, but. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Bitter Thoughts, like Rachel said. Uh, for sort of the same reason, I wanted to talk about uh, Paper Hearts just because it's so much fun to listen to. But I remember um, we pointed out, I think this is the only track pre-Mohleen that has any female vocals in it. Um, any prominent, I'd say. Yeah, um, Liz, you know, her vocals shine really brightly in this. I remember this is one of the music videos I've seen like 100,000 times. I was going to say, I don't watch a lot of their music videos, mm-hmm. but this is one I always think of a plastic-covered couch yeah, when yeah, yeah. I listen to this song yeah. now. Yeah, so this is one of the first uh, music videos I saw whenever I started trying to get like deeply into why. So this is, I sort of attribute this um, this video and this era of why uh, really strongly in my mind for that reason, because it was sort of like my... Uh, I strapped my miner's helmet on and just went directly into this discography. Like, that's when I got the deepest into it. Um, I would say I after I met y'all um, is whenever it happened. I think just because I finally had other people other than my sister. Yeah, because you obviously have been listening to Y for right, casually yeah. for years. But. Yeah, and I you know, I love the shit out of uh, Alopecia, Elephant Eyelash, and Jaime's Basement. You know, those I, I listen to those all the time. But I never, at least at that point, I was never super interested in learning more about the artists or learning more about how they create. I was just wanting to ingest the music as much as I could um but yeah so I started getting the deepest into why around this time so this song is really special to me because it was like sort of one of the catalysts for that you know I would sit and watch this music video a bunch um and Liz is in it you know and she, she's got her super like I, I love her uh sort of like creepy almost like doll uh vocals that she has in the back of this um his text says not with carcass from the backs of ten flyers and pens Yeah, and this this is another one of those just like really it's like a ridiculous amount of bars on this verse and he's just like talking and talking and talking. Yeah. But like it's like he never ever loses momentum or loses steam or loses like the cleverness in how much there is. Like it's just so much to take in, but it's it's all good. Yeah, we we, we talked a lot about uh, on this record. He's pretty self-deprecating. Um, but in an almost fun way, uh, de- definitely differently than in alopecia, you know, like on this track, he says, uh, he talks about whenever he was a little kid, you know, he threw fits and punched doors and he, re- he's still in this track referring to himself as a pallid sallow corpse from a rising hell to swallow. Like he's obviously doesn't see himself in a, in a super bright light down pinned on the floor trading places with my shadow a pallid sallow corpse for a rising hell to swallow fully unarmed or armed under the robes with a staff only or unarmed fully under the robes through the ribs and inner body but for a bulging lung of poison poised to voice its cuts and what's worse of course the sick and bile gut um but like i said he's sort of taking it in stride i'd say rather than he than he did in uh, alopecia where he's sort of just like feeling hopeless um 
which I think plays into why this album is so much fun. Not that the subject matter is fun, but because he's having fun with it. This may be a little repetitive Mm -hmm. of, of what we've said at the beginning of the episode. As a whole, this album is a, is a little more difficult to sum up in, in terms of a, um, a theme or a through line. Mm -hmm. Um, it does, I think upon re-listens feel slightly muddled, um, in terms of a, of a through line, like I just said, uh, which is where some people may have been, it may have been harder for people to digest Mm -hmm. in one sitting or something like that. But I think that every track is distinct still. Mm -hmm. It's still so much fun to listen to. I still hear something new most of the times that I listen to it. It, It's, um, uh, rewarding. Right. And like, like I said, because it's like he never like the he never stops with, you know, belting out these clever lines or, you know, all, all of these like really impressive choruses and stuff like that. Like he doesn't give you really a second to, to stop. and catch. I mean, obviously, on some of the tracks, there are choruses and there's like some uh, refreshers, but it's just it's a lot to take in. I think uh, there's definitely less melody. Yeah, for sure. And it's yeah. I mean, just even talking about bitter thoughts and paper hearts, just like like I said, just straight through like he sat you down and he's like. You know, talking and honestly, the same with I would say, uh, white English and right, water yeah, yeah. lines mm-hmm. for the most part. You know, yeah, it's I, like, yeah, white English, the quote unquote chorus is like lost in translation, right? And then yeah, yeah. another verse starts, you know. So, under sail only for a hold of hell to fill with handfuls and handfuls of lucerne dust or plug up level really with anything other than us, and then to toss a dusty rug over. Yeah, and I think I th- those tracks definitely fall in line. I think, with, like you said, with bitter thoughts and stuff like that, where it's like very um, verse yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah, verse heavy is just a lot. Um, but the actual like way that they sound and the instruments and stuff like that is a lot more open. Which is uh, at least with bitter thoughts and paper hearts, especially where, like I said, that's like the most deadpan. Like he's just like deadpan. talking straight. Into that's him. a great I was way to say it. Yeah. Earlier, yeah, but I kept saying monotone. Uh, but yeah, just like the deadpan delivery of paper hearts is like sort of stands out the most to me on the record because a lot of these sort of confessions and uh like monotonous almost like all of this monotonous self-deprecation is shrouded in like fun super fun beats or like yeah it's very hypnotic exactly yeah yeah, yeah. diane was there anything you wanted to comment on really quickly about any of the other albums Um, or while we have you here yeah, like any uh, I guess horrible maybe mistakes we made on our previous episode. <laughs> um, I think the final, I don't know if this is a good end note, but one other thing that I wrote down that at least I wanted to kind of talk about was, um, I guess, the lack of religious references in this one uh-huh. as opposed to alopecia. Uh-huh. Yeah, I um, mean, there are some. but Yeah, there's going to be some with his background, but uh, like the only one I guess that I like really caught that i guess i could remember to say right now is like how he says in jonathan's hope when he says as ill as i am i am is obviously a reference to like god saying i am the i am but then also the reference to in good friday when he says if i'm sinking in what the lie he says he says the same thing you know he says i am as well i didn't realize that actually yeah that was just something i am caught well and then in i think it's in sod in the seed he says something about bowing like a jew in prayer yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um, but and that was the other one I was thinking. But other than that, I can't think of a lot of religious context. Yeah, and I feel for like that one on Sodom and Seed is 
uh, like more directly referencing himself or referencing like a, a person rather than the actual like religious context. Right. That was right. more like a, a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, was it in that same song where he says, oh, so steel as a goy's gut? Is oh, it's Jonathan's hope. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still steel as a goy's gut. Oh, so concealed in the crease, but slow pitching like a Vatican priest to be pope. What? Dope. So every morning wake up with hope, and at night fall asleep at the end of your rope, alone pretending to cope. As ill as I am, I am. So yeah, he, he references I think his his Jewish heritage a little bit more in this mm-hmm. one, but more in a self referencing way and not yeah. a I want to talk about God kind yeah, of. Yeah, alopecia is more not spiritual. spiritual. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We we <laughs> we were hoping that they would say the same thing at one point at the same time, and they did. Um, but yeah, that was mumps, etc. Um, I think it was it last week that we mentioned that this was originally going to be called mumps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> I, I, I like I like the uh, I like that he named Jonathan's Hope Jonathan's Hope. Like, yeah, that, that fits so much, and that's why he did. Like that's why he changed it. Just he was like it felt more, it felt right. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to get my hands on the demo track. That's called um, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, eventually I will. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much, uh, Diane, for joining us. Uh, yeah, thank you all for having it me. It was super fun. Hopefully we can uh, have you on again soon, or have your thoughts. Uh, uh, on some of the episodes, but like I said, I am beat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, I I didn't bring as much uh, this week as I did with alopecia. But uh, whenever we talk about Mohlin next week, I feel like that's the one that we all have the most hands-on personal experience with because it was like we were the deepest into why as it yeah. was coming as it was out. Coming it's out. the only one that that we anticipated. That yeah. Besides, I mean, the only why one that right, came right. out. Right. Yeah. As I, I mean, yeah, fan, Tessa Rosa, so. we lost our minds whenever oh, we heard yeah. that. Oh, yeah. We need yeah. to have a whole episode. A whole oh, episode on really, that. Yeah. Um, that was, I think, that's definitely one of my probably top two uh, Y or Yoni side projects. Jaime's Basement just oh. it takes the cake for me almost every single time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it depends on during the summer, like, I'll start to feel really nostalgic for Testarossa. Yeah, yeah, yeah Testarossa is so, um, in June, summer 2016, yeah, exactly. like yeah, yeah. that particular yeah, feeling. So once I get closer to those months, then I'll maybe Testarossa will Come get, back around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to keep wrapping up. No, but. Keep, yeah, go for it. No. so thank you for tuning in to this episode of Untethered Layers. Like I said, our next one will be about Mohlin. Um, an absolute banger of an album from start to finish is the shortest one, uh, which I remember whenever we saw the track list for it, we were like, it's only 33 minutes long. Like I, I, w- I was a little bit like, that's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, isn't Eskimo snow shorter than that? Maybe. Um, but, but it's still, still short so. anyway. Yeah, and Testarossa was really short too. I just remember like, I, not, not in the context of why albums, but in the context of me, like anticipating albums, you know? that's short for right album. right and so i was like damn you know like i was really excited to hear more Especially music but it fills every yeah, single yeah, yeah. Of because that, of yeah. the transition well they tracks. had so many singles oh right right right. right, right they right. released like about what three i or think four there singles? were four um and then like you said there were two transition tracks on there um but each of them e- each of the singles and even the ones that aren't singles um stand out so strongly but mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that next week i don't want to right right on McLean. okay <laughs> uh, but thank you again to the arc of you network for having us uh noah and gavin's episode for alopecia went up uh last week at the same time our eskimo snow one came out so as this one is coming out their eskimo snow episode will be coming out if i if i am uh remembering that correctly but thank you guys again 
Uh, and we'll talk next week. Uh, say bye, everybody. Uh, bye. 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 <laughs>